Welcome to Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement-building show. I'm in studio with Florence Bracey, Charles Bracey, uh, Channing Martinez, myself, Ricky's on controls, and we got it all under control. So today's a really exciting show. We're working about a new book. Uh, it's not completely new, but it's new in my consciousness. The book is called Help Me Understand My Child, A Mother's Truth About Autism, written by Florence Bracey. Uh, hey, Florence. Hey, how are you? Good. So we all go back, just to, to take a few steps backwards, how this whole thing developed. Uh, the Labor Community Strategy Center initiated a wonderful project called the Bus Riders Union. For those of you who are lucky and smart enough to come to the Pan-African Film Festival and see it about uh, a month ago, one of the great characters in that film was the late Della Bonner, who was a f true force of nature, a uh, deep, deep friend of mine. And uh, in her later years, Della had always had struggles with obesity and, and weight. But in her last years, it just got unmanageable, and she was so disabled that she could barely get out of bed, which never stopped her brain or her mouth moving 24-7, <laughs> that never, if you t called her on the phone, there was not an ounce of self-pity or, I mean, Della was Della. Mm -hmm. And she was my dear friend. There's a whole nother story about I was in Paris and they cut her, her service off, her electricity off, and I had to spend about six months fighting with the P, whatever it is, DWP, to get her power turned on. I had a struggle called Della Gets Her Black Power. So that's a whole nother story. But then Della really did need a lot of help, and she needed pretty much 24-7 help. And then she says, you got to meet my friend Florence Bracey. And Florence and I met and became instant friends, in my opinion. And you talk about another go-getter, do-doer, that's Florence Bracey. So D Florence and I were sort of the co-managers of Della's last couple of years. And uh, I love Della you know, so, so much. But in the process, I got to know Florence and then her husband Charles and then her son Brad, and, you know, we, we have a whole other relationship. And that, so Florence was telling me, I have a son who's d disabled with autism. I want to write a book about it. And when my book comes out, 
I want to be on your show and everything like that. And it took a while. And one reason it took a while, everyone's Florence, is because I knew this was going to be work for me, that it wasn't just a book. I mean, I had a really, was I ready to take it in myself? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, it just became time. And I've been reading the book. I just finished the book. It's a truly magnificent book. I mean, I mean Thank that with so all much. with all my heart. It's a beautiful book, which we're going to explain first about just the human reality of being parents, and Charles here too, of a, of a of a boy. And as the boy grows up, you realize, oh my God, he has something different. And the, the so the first part of the book is the struggle to just figure out what is this, and can I even come to terms with this. The second part of the book is a phenomenal. You talk about being a great organizer, Florence. I mean, you were on the case. I mean, for every single, you had to go through every single bureaucracy and every step after step after step and have a great will. And then the third is really the flowering of bread, you know, and then all the work that you did that uh, came to fruition from the very day he was born, but nonetheless came to fruition as he moved into young adult and adulthood. So it's a... Beautiful journey book, beautifully written, short. I'm going to you know, read a lot of the lessons, but you're mainly going to give them. Mm-hmm. So here's one more thing, and you are going to hear Florence Bracey. I just wanted to frame what this is about. Not this Thursday, but the Thursday after next, which is April 4th at 6 p.m. at the Strategy and Soul Bookstore, 3546 Martin Luther King. Florence and Charles and everybody is going to be there. And we're going to have a book signing for this wonderful book. So with this long introduction, Florence Bracey. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation, Eric, and I'm excited to talk to you about it while I'm here. Yeah. We'll, we'll go through the first phase where, you know, when you begin to know something's not quite right, but how you're sort of managing him and trying to make it right, you know. Right. Why don't you go through that first period before you've even discovered it, but that maybe four to eight period, four years to eight years. Exactly. Tell me what, tell our listeners what it was like, what you were going through. All right. Um, Brat was diagnosed at age eight right. with autism. And with autism, you can be diagnosed as young as six months old or right away. Uh-huh. And... He, he could speak. That was unusual, you right. know, for a person with autism. Also, he could read, right. and he, do sim- he could do simple math. Yeah. So I was fine with everything until about third grade. Right. In third grade, you learned you're more um, given work, more critical thinking work, and you had to write stories, learn how to um, do multiple-step math problems, and that's where everything just stopped. He couldn't do it. By December of his third grade year, I knew there was a problem. It was first grade when they brought it to my attention, and the only thing they could tell me was he wasn't playing with the children. Right. And he was, there's seven years difference between my daughter and he, and I just figured he was an only child, raised as an only child because there was no one really for him to play with. And that's how it manifested itself. Well, here you have a thing where you say, I later learned that Brad not being able to articulate to me how his teacher was mean 
was actually a language delay problem for a five-year-old child. Playing parallel with other children's age instead of playing with them directly was actually a characteristic of autism. But at that point, I didn't know it yet, what to attribute Brad's behavior. Explain to us about language delay. Language delay, as far as Brad was concerned, he could speak, but when I would ask him questions to get more information, he would say, I don't know. So he couldn't describe anything. When I would ask him questions about, in this particular instance, about the teacher, how was he mean, he would say, I don't know. So there's, there's a um, delay in language, meaning he couldn't explain anything more than yes, no, or very some simple adjectives. Now, I wrote down here that there sort of was a process of denial trying to sort of fix every problem to prove normalcy. Right. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. Like I said, in first grade, second grade, they, the school brought it to my attention that there was a problem. And my justification was he could read, right. he could do simple math. This is first, second grade. Right. And I even went to the classroom a couple of times after they, were, they had given me this information just to justify it in my, my mind that he was doing well, which he did. He read better than most of the other kids in the class, but he didn't know what he was reading. But he could sound out the words he didn't know, and he could read. You have it here where you say acceptance isn't always easy, but often it's the first step to finding solutions. Exactly. Like in this particular situation I just described to you, it was... It was my way of justifying right, of course. my my truth, my world, and that's not necessarily so. I had to accept to get the other information, to get the services, to get mm. to just walk into this world. I had to accept the fact that there was a problem. One thing about the book, Florence, is you write really beautifully, and it's in its shortness and its brevity, you. It's very moving how you get to the point so quickly and let the person keep moving through. And you always have at the end of every chapter some very thoughtful conclusions. Here's one. Sometimes as parents, we need to put our pride aside and do what's best for our children. Exactly. Around third, fourth grade, it was recommended that Brad be put back. And I, of course, fought it because of embarrassment and what the other kids would think and what the other parents would think. And I just had to put that aside and say, okay, this is for Brad. This is not not for me. Put my pride aside and, and have, allow it to happen. Right, so he right. did get, um, he was delayed and he repeated the third grade. Which you said was actually a good thing for him as well, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He needed that extra year just to develop and get that um, additional services that he, the speech and the, the gymnastics for children with autism. You have a good thing here. It says, Brad had always been preoccupied with dates and birthdays. People with autism often perseverate, which I like that word, on one subject. Brad's specific area of focus happens to be birthdays and dates. He can remember someone's birthday from the moment he meets them and learns them. Exactly. Help us understand that better. Right. This, like I said, uh, every, a lot of children with autism or adults, they have a spe- specific interest. Some are trained, some are 
operas. They know all the operas. They know all right. kinds of statistics in baseball. It depends on the child, whatever their interest is, but they take it to the nth degree. Right. But Brad's interest is dates, birth dates specifically. So he would remember birth dates, and every day we had a routine, and he would share with me, like, whose birthday it was. <laughs> and someone I hadn't seen in 10 years. <laughs> wow. So that really gives you an idea of his his uh, memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he has he he might have uh, met them one time. You have a very moving chapter called The Unfit Mother, which is not what you are but what you felt. You say Dr. Freeman referred me to Dr. Christine Ball, a speech pathologist, specialty in language processing. After four visits, she assessed Brad as having a very severe language processing disorder. Uh Dr. Balls told me that Brad should have had intervention at four years old. He was then eight. I felt like an unfit mother. Why hadn't I picked up on this before? Exactly. When we got the news from the speech pathologist at UCLA, he was eight, like you just finished reading, and I just didn't know. I just didn't know there was a problem. I didn't know about language processing delayed. I didn't know that when he was telling me he he didn't know because I was asking him additional questions that that was a major problem. But if he had had the intervention early on, then he would have he would have progressed even faster than he did. But he's doing pretty. Darn he's doing great. good. He's yeah. doing good now. Yes, I just love why you. So I, I get to read all the great lines here. <laughs> when you don't know, you just don't know. Yeah, you all just you have can to... do is keep striving forward. Exactly, you beat yourself up for a minute, and you just like, okay, I made a mistake. Yeah, have to keep it moving. So, so Dad, tell us now at eight years old, where were you in this process when Brad was eight? Well, I started uh, putting Brad in little league uh, baseball, and uh, we were going up to the concession stand to get uh, some uh, drink and hot dog. Little boy, Brad was a little boy about five years old, was pushing him around in the line. And then I saw and realized something was extremely wrong. And uh, then I realized that I was gonna have to devote more time to Brad. But uh, I have never felt ashamed of uh, his autistic, uh, uh, development or anything like that. So I have spent a lot of time with Brad, and I try to explain to him sometimes he doesn't understand that uh, I'm trying to help you because I was at this point in my life, and I'm trying to give you some advice so you won't have to uh, make the mistake that I made. We'll come back to you, Frank. Thank you so much. So now we keep moving. So now the fishing trip for solutions. Now that could be the next actually eight years of your life. You know, it's not exactly. It's, it's not like a one day. So go through when uh, at UCLA uh, you did find a, a, a very good doctor. Tell us about this thing about vision perception therapy. I learned about that too. I know this is a great <laughs> I had book. Had no idea. Florence, this is a great. I'm um, seriously great book. Go Thank ahead. you. Along the way, I was referred to a Dr. Takeshita, and he's an ophthalmologist with a specialty in vision perception 
therapy. And what that does, it is the connection between the, the eyes and the brain and the language. And that was his specialty. He was in Santa Monica at the time because I had gone to the Stein Institute and he was um, prescribed with glasses, but it was more than glasses that he needed. Sure. He needed this vision perception therapy, which Dr. Takeshita had, just, um, he, they recommend, he rec- recommended 40 sessions for him and wow. which really helped. And he worked with puzzles and language and outcomes. That was part of the therapy. Go ahead, Jerry. So is that sort of like um, trying to understand, like it's a disconnect between what you are seeing and the analytical process of understanding. Exactly, in the language. Exactly. It's all connected. Okay. Well, one of the things, because I've done something about this, you know, one of our close relatives is developmentally disabled and the, the the whole question of all the different synapses and recognition, so the eye sees something, it's a vision. Mm-hmm. Then it gets translated, but does the, does the brain know what it's seeing? Then how do you translate that into a story or a memory or a thought? And so there could be so many short circuits. Exactly. And is it right to sort of, in reading this book, it's almost like you're helping Brad reconnect the circuits? Exactly. There's a way of scaffolding when you're teaching a concept. And if you break, what I learned in in working with Brad is if you break things down, then he's able to learn the concept. But you have to take it in small parts. And that's something I recommend with parents working with their child is that you know, you've read a story, but we're going to break down the concepts along to the end of the story and ask questions and, you know, and predict conclusions. That's just an example of yeah. how you could use the scaffolding. Well, I, I use it in a lot of teaching because when I was an auto worker, I couldn't do my job. And these very wonderful workers told my foreman, just get out of here. And they said, just put the screw on the end of your, just on the end of your uh, gun. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And now I had seven other tasks that I couldn't do. Exactly. But they said, just until you've mastered this, and I got it, and then they'd move me just to the next one. And they finally, and by the end, you I got the, the whole, whole sequence. But exactly. if they hadn't slowed me down, especially because in my case it was fear mm-hmm. that was blocking my ability to think. Exactly. So the scaffolding, I think, is not a bad thing more generally right right exactly that's the whole concept is breaking it down here's another interesting topic see all the things how smart you're getting here the, <laughs> the IEP war what's an IEP and the book <laughs> I know yeah. but because people the book. that are in this this education world this individual education plan and it's a legal document that's put together for those students that need additional support but I told you to get to the point you're very really good now, but tell me more because th- you went into essentially you had to go fight for this. And, exactly. And essentially, it was the overall diagnostic plan and the overall solution plan, right? Exactly. So tell me how you understood all the things you wanted. Okay, walking into the world of special needs, I knew nothing. I'm not an educator, <laughs> and that's the 
that's the the problem with educating new parents right. is because there's not a toolkit. But now you have my book, the it's toolkit a great book. That's right. that gets you started and introduces you to these concepts. But walking into this world, I was sent from person to person, learning just bits of information and pulling it all together myself. Now, this is in the year 2000. So it's a little different now. There's more information available. But at that time, you were really on a journey to get that information. So I went from pillar to post, putting all the pieces together. But in the IEP, which is a document that's put together at the school level, it gives the um, the student certain assessments that are needed and also the um, different activities that you need to fulfill the con- the um, the document. So tell us about a slant board for handwriting. That seemed interesting. Right. There's a, um, a not just children with autism, but a lot around third grade penmanship is really atrocious. And he was not um, writing clearly, but big and not controlled at all. Right. So they have a slant board where it's similar to a ruler, and you write it so you keep writing in a straight line. So he needed that, and it really helped. Now he's uh, his penmanship is excellent, by the way. <laughs> really? You see, if they hadn't given him a slant board, he could have been Jackson Pollock. Hmm. <laughs> That's my writing. <laughs> yeah. So those are some of the so those are some of the supports you get with the IEP. That's great. Um, you're listening to Florence Bracy, Charles, her husband's in studio with Channing Martinez. I'm Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Frontline. We're discussing Florence's wonderful book. Florence Bracy, help me understand my child, a mother's truth about autism. We're going to go to the phones that are on 345 at 818-985-5735. Florence is going to be uh, doing a, a book signing at Strategy and Soul Bookstore next Thursday, not this Thursday, April 4th at 6 p.m. where she'll have copies of the book, help me understand my child. She'll sign them. Uh, I think it's a great event we're going to have. It's for parents of many different parents with special needs, of kids with special needs, and also just people who care about this. I mean, this is a beautiful subject that we should all, as I said, this is not just about parents with special needs. We all live in the society together. And if you have special needs, then we all have the special needs. So I'm excited about coming. 818-985. Thanks, Rick. You know, so... uh, if you're, as I said, if you're parents with uh, either a child with autism or, or special needs, but you want to talk to Florence about our book and Charles in the studio as well, um, we, will, we will be taking those calls. But we want to stay with Florence because we're going to actually get through the whole story. Tell me about, uh, it seemed to me one of the big victories was getting essentially a person to work directly with Brad, you know, to... Mm-hmm essentially help him get through his day. Explain that a little bit. Okay. it's The person is called a one-on-one assistant, and that was key to Brad's success. And he had a one-on-one from third grade through 12th grade, two different individuals that are like my family. 
And I talk about them in the book and how instrumental they were in his success. Okay, tell me about Ecolia, E C H O L O L I A. Mm-hmm. I'm learning all these cool words. Echolalia, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, Echolalia. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's repeating things over and over again. You know, there Is might it? be a, 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 a movie, and Brad would do that when he was nervous. He would repeat lines from movies. A lot of children or adults with autism, they like Disney movies right. or just movies in general. And he likes particularly movies that have Broadway music behind it. So he listens to it on YouTube and he knows the music and the words. So he repeats them when he's nervous. Got it. So that's what Echolalia is. Echolalia. Mm-hmm. See, thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, no, but just to give some context, though, through all this work, Brad enters a speech contest, which did involve some conceptual frame, right? Exactly. And, and tell us, that's a cool story, and he won first place. Oh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. He won. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. Miss Lindsay, who was his first um, personal assistant one-on-one, she insisted that Brad be in this contest. I said, are you serious? He sa- she says, yes, he can do it. I'm going to work with him, and he's going to win. I said, okay. <laughs> so she did, and he won. <laughs> so it was, and he knows that poem right now today. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, so he has an excellent memory. This is a great line. I want you to get to read some of your great lines here. Okay. It can be difficult to trust someone else's opinion of what is best for your child, especially when it may be different, different, excuse me, differ vastly from yours. But there will be times when their opinion is exactly what you need to hear. And this I wrote in the chapter, The Do-Over, and that was a recommendation that was um, made. Also, Mrs. Lindsay insisted that he take, at that time it was called the SAT-9 test, which is a standard, standardized test. And I didn't want him to take it because I didn't think he would pass the test. Well, actually, he did better in different areas than I thought he would perform. So sometimes you just have to let it go and listen to others and trust their opinion. Charles, are you... What what things did you see when he began to take off in some way where you saw all the work you did having some really positive impacts? Well, Brad, uh, he loves to do drama. Brad and I uh, attended West Los Angeles Junior College about five years ago. Hmm. That's for it. <laughs> and uh, he... Uh, he could remember everyone's lines. If a kid didn't show up and uh, they were going to video their scenes, the teacher was asked, Brad, Brad, look at this. He would look at it for about three or four minutes, and he would fill in and take the other person's place. He has a keen mind, a keen memory, and so forth. And uh, he can type. He, can, he typed up the manuscripts for the uh, book here. Wow. And tell me the thing you were saying about wanting to be a father who showed up. Well... I was raised, uh, our father uh, abandoned our family when I was about seven or eight years old. 
and it was real hard for my mom to come up raising the kids. And I, me being the oldest, I, we moved a lot, and it made me strong. I made myself a promise that when I get married and have kids, I would never abandon my kids, and I would support my kids and support my wife. And so to this day, I've stuck with my promise. And uh, kids really make your, your marriage strong, too. Thanks, Charles. Very cool. Uh, now, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, the problem, there was one story, I, I'm hopping around, but where he had a birthday party and nobody showed up. Right. Well, I want to tell you before you tell the story, that happened to my kids, too, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, and I also <laughs> don't think it was just autism. <laughs> And I would go through hell on their birthday parties because they'd have all these friends mm -hmm. who wouldn't show up. One day I got on the phone with this woman and I said, you know that daughter that I drive around? She's coming to this party. I'll be over in 15 minutes to get her. And I went in there. I was going to break the, And I got her. I put her in the car and got her over there because I was not going to have my daughters have nobody at their exactly. party. So I had a lot of empathy. So tell that story about the okay. skating rink and everything. Right. Brad was about 15, and he hadn't had a party for a while. So I said, okay, this is a good opportunity to show him how to put a party, to, you know, how to plan a party. So he, we did. He wrote down all the people he wanted to invite. He said he wanted a skate, um, skating party. And so I put together a, an invitation on the computer, had him fill out the um, names of the people he wanted to invite from school. This is high school now. Right. And he did. It was about 10, 10 people. And then I invited family, friends, and my daughter invited a few friends well, about 40 minutes into the, about an hour, into the party, nobody was there that he invited. So I said, well, let's just go outside and see if they're outside on, in the line waiting to get in. Right. <laughs> and there was nobody there that we recognize. But there was a friend that did show up, a young lady that said she wasn't going to miss the party because Brad had invited her. So she saved the day. And they were just skating around that rink like they were pros. So he was happy. He didn't even remember <laughs> the, the other nine people he had invited. But the next day he put him on the hard He put him on blast. Right. He, he went to school and he asked them what happened, and he went down the line and told me exactly what their excuse, their lame excuses were for not showing up. We have that for our meetings, too. Trust <laughs> yes, us. we do. 818-985-5735. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to talk to Florence Bracey and Charles Bracey and Eric Mann and Channing Martinez about her book, regardless of your own experience, um, Wonderful book, and then join us a week from Thursday, April 4th at 6 p.m. at Strategy and Soul Bookstore, 3546 Martin Luther King. You'll be able to get more information at info at thestrategycenter.org when we get it up in a day. Right, Jenny? Mm -hmm. But you know how to get to Strategy and Soul. By now, it's so it'll be Thursday night, April 4th. Get to meet uh, Charles and Florence and the team, and, and uh, I think it's a very inspiring evening. Hey, Ricky, why don't you do some uh, break music just so we can clear our head and say hello. You're on KPFK, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, and you're here, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. 
Is that the stylistics? Oh yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite, me and Leon, it's one of our favorite songs. So, uh, too late, too late to stop, look, listen to your heart, hear what it's saying, stop, look. All right. All right. So, uh, Charles said to make sure we tell everybody it's a short book. Uh, I don't care if it's a long book. It's a, it reads. I mean, I, my retention. I did. I want to get a read. Uh, my reading retention is great because I, <laughs> I read it in one day, uh, uh, and so Florence wanted to say that if you know, well, telling your own words. If you yeah. when you join us on April fourth, go ahead, Florence. Yeah, the book is. What I found is providers are very interested in the book. After school staff, teachers. I'm making presentations at staff meetings, at um, psychologists, speech therapists, behaviorists. I don't know if you know the numbers right now, but autism is the fastest growing developmental disability in the world. Right now, the numbers, according to the CDC, are 1 in 59, 42 being boys. It's 1% of the world population. There's 3.5 million Americans who have it. 100,000 in L.A. County specifically. So if you have not been touched by this disability, you will be. Either you might end up dating them, marrying them. Your children might be friends with someone that has autism. So you need to learn about this, this pandemic. Well, not only that, but I'm, I'm, you know, in terms of my own theory of politics and what I got out of the black movement and also out of Lenin. Uh, Lenin said that when he was trying to train the workers, he said, you know, you just can't worry about your own wages. You have to worry about if you want to be part of a new society, you have to care about everybody's struggle, not just your own. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the answer has to even be you should know about this because it might happen to you or you should know about this, which is true. But it's also because you just care. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and I do care, and I, this has helped me care. I mean, it's a very—I want to talk about you, Florence, because you've, you've talked about Brad, but and we'll still talk about Brad, but this, to me, was also a story about you. I mean, this became a big part of your life. You exactly. Know, to say the least. And your will, you know, and I wrote a book called Playbook for Progressives, The 16 Qualities of a Successful Organizer. Number 15 is Relentless. And everybody I know who's successful is relentless. So, so talk about that a little bit, and I have other thoughts about you as well. Sure. But how were you always relentless, or did this help you be, get, become more so? No, I've always been. <laughs> I came from a sales background. I worked for Xerox in medical sales. And I think that teaches you grit and relentless characteristics because you can't give up. If there's a no, there's a yes somewhere down the line. So when I was turned down from services for my son, I said, someone's going to give me a yes. I don't know when, where, how, but it's going to happen. And I'm going to figure out the services that he needs. But 
it's a thread that's throughout my whole life that is consistent. I'm just trying to picture if I was doing a physicist, the energy sphere between you and Della. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Who was more relentless? Exactly. I think that's what brought us together because we were. <laughs> she knew I was in areas that she she couldn't, and I was, you know, yeah. I, you know, we, we balanced each other out, I should say. <laughs> Me too. I mean, that's yeah. why we liked each other. Exactly. She was exactly relentless. Relentless. <laughs> and she helped win 2,000 buses for low-income people in Los Angeles, Della Bonner. Exactly. Uh, 818-985-5735. Maybe we'll go to one phone now. Is that okay? Instead of just, uh, we have a Christine from Diamond Bar. So if you're interested in talking with Florence Bracey, this is Eric Mann. I'm the host of Voices from the Front Lines. Uh, Christine, thank you for being on Voices from the Front Lines. Hi, Christine. Hello. How are you? Good. Thank you for calling. Thank you for taking my call. I really wanted to thank the author, Florence. I've I've already forgotten your your last name because I'm here driving. Uh Uh-huh. My own children uh, are not on the autism spectrum, but they have, both of them who are now adults, have a visual processing perceptual disability. Mm -hmm. And I'm an educator, and to my embarrassment, I couldn't figure out why our son never liked math and why he did so poorly until he was in the sixth grade. Right. And the reason I'm calling is parents need to believe in themselves. Here I was an educator. I'd work with kids who who had all kinds of disabilities, and I didn't even recognize it with my own kid. Right. And I, one also really needs to study the laws. Uh, my kids would not have qualified for special education mm-hmm. as yours did. Yeah. So they were on the, I'm, I'm calling more than anything, so that parents also know that there's a 504 plan, which is for, that comes under the American with Disabilities Act. Because if your kid doesn't qualify for yeah. special ed, then you're going to get zero services. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Christine. We really appreciate you calling in and, and hang in there. Florence, tell us, the, tell us things. Well, I'm glad she shared that because that's the other side of the IEP is the 504 program. And a lot of children show deficits, but they they haven't been identified or they don't qualify like Christine just mentioned for the IEP, but they do have the 504 plan. So there's ways to get services. I think that's the takeaway here from Christine is that there's different instruments that are available within the school district to get what you need for your child. 818-985-5735 if you'd like to talk to Florence Bracey about her new book. We'll call it a new book until you buy it. It's new. It's called Help Me Understand My Child, A Mother's Truth About Autism. Again, we'll be sharing an evening with Florence and Charles and everybody next Thursday night, not this Thursday night, April 4th, 6 p.m. at Strategy and Soul, 3546 Martin Luther King Boulevard. It's right between Crenshaw on one side, small street named McClung on the other. It's right across from Krispy Kreme, but... Walk past Krispy Kreme and come on over. We'll have better snacks. So uh, 818-985-5735. Chani, you have any thoughts? Yeah. So I was going to – well, there's two thoughts. Um, The first one, I think, I guess is Brad is an adult now. Yeah, he's 27. So I'm wondering if you can talk about autism and, you know, just adults. 
Yeah. That's the second book. It's the next book. It's complicated. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, when Brad graduated from high school, he he got a diploma. There's two different tracks you can go on with um, a child with disability, a certificate of completion or a diploma. He earned a diploma, which I'm very proud of. He and my husband, Charles, when, when he graduated from high school, was the same year my husband retired. So they went to school together. He had his own built-in one-on-one, his dad. So they went to West L.A. together, and they earned about 45 units. One, one subject away from, one class away from a certificate in cinema for Brad, but... Charles completed the program. There's four different tenets, I I would say, regarding adults. You're talking about employment, Mm -hmm. social life, love, housing, and everyone treats it differently. Some adults live with their families like Brad does. There's group homes for adults with autism. Some get their own apartment. Some are institutionalized, depending on how severe they are. And as far as education, some go on to college. Some go to vocational schools. It varies. And some are working at Rouse, bagging groceries. You know, respectable uh, skill there. And as far as love, there's... It's complicated (laughs) because there's a lot of socialization that has to be taught, and that takes it to a whole other level. Uh, Nonverbal communication, if someone doesn't return your phone call, what does that mean? If someone says, don't come to my house, what does that mean? Do you keep coming? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's gray lines along the way that you have to explain. You have one other question? Um, no, not a question. The second one is sure. just like a comment of gratitude. Just I think about your book and I think about your personal journey. And I think it's a great help and a great manual to, uh, you know, parents with autism. But then I also think about the flaws in the entire system that you as a parent had to go out and find this. Exactly. And even though, you know, the government and the city government and L.A. County has, you know, billions of dollars. Services. They're spending more on prisons and police, and they're not spending as much money as they should be on services. Yeah, and, so, and it's not all the government's fault because there's families that don't accept it. Mm-hmm. Or they might be given the information, but they can't accept it or they don't follow through with the suggested services or assessments that might, like myself, when they were recommending or suggesting there might be a problem early on, I said, oh, no, that's just him being an only child or Mm -hmm. he's just playing by himself. But I just didn't know. But now the information's out there. Everyone's talking about autism. It's, It's in the media. We have our own month, which is... April, Autism Awareness Month. So now everybody wants to talk about it, but there's all these events going on now uh, for, for autism. 
I want to go to the phones again. I'm happy we got phones. If you want to talk to Florence Bracey, it's 818-985-5735. You're on Voices from the Frontlines with Eric Mann and Channing Martinez. Uh, Alisa in Mid-City, if you can get her on, Ricky. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Voices from the Frontlines. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. You know, I just wanted to comment that um, my son is on the very tip of the spectrum, like, what he has is it's even slightly milder than Asperger's and Asperger's is known to be like one of the mildest ends of the spectrum. So that makes it even really more difficult because he doesn't accept his diagnosis. He's like, well, but I'm not autistic because he doesn't feel like he is yet. I mean, you know, he? see that he's really shy and, and, and all that. So I guess like just a couple of things I want to say. It's like the special ed programs, they just put all the kids with all kinds of different disabilities that don't have anything to do with each other in the same classroom, like a one-size-fits-all, and it's not. And I wish there would be more money spent on special ed where maybe they would have particular classes for mild autism cases. And, and, and you know, just, just why not have three or four special ed classes at each grade level to really address the issues? And... Um, also, like, what kind of job training? Because it's like if my son got a job tomorrow, I know he probably wouldn't keep it, you know, and yet he also refuses a lot of services because he just feels they want to do one size fits all and he's not nearly as severe as some people are. So he's like, well, what am I doing with them? So, I mean, it's just it's really, it's just mind-boggling. It really is. Thanks uh, a lot how for old is your son? He's, um, he's 20 years old. Right. So he was never given a diagnosis. No, actually, he was diagnosed when he was already like almost seventeen. Right. And then by the time I contacted regional center, he was already on the cusp of eighteen. And once he turned eighteen, he told me, "I'm an adult and I don't have to do any of this, and I don't feel like I'm autistic." But was he given the diagnosis before eighteen? He was. Yeah. Okay. Well, if he decides ever, he can go back to the regional center and get services as long as he's diagnosed before 18. Because that's that's in my book, too. Don't be afraid of the A word because it will open doors for you. And that's what I stress early on in the book because people are afraid of it. But that's what Dr. Freeman says. Don't be afraid. It will open doors for you. And a lot of people say, oh, he has Asperger's. No, he has autism. You know what I'm saying? Because they won't support you with the services by anything less. And sometimes you want to just accept it and then be able to get what you need and take and leave the rest on the table. And could I just ask one sure. last question? Sure. Yeah. yeah, and we have one of the please do, though. Okay. Are, are there any, um, um, like, how could I say high-profile people, celebrities or politicians or business owners that are well-known that, that are on the spectrum that could serve as role models, and I'll leave it at that. Oh, yeah. There's Bill Gates. <laughs> they say he has autism. But, I mean, one thing I just want to say. But what I'm saying, there's, 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 if he would accept it, there's all kinds of support for job training, for jobs. There's coaches out there to assist the adults on the job. There's all kinds of uh, bills being passed in the state of California to pay employers to teach them about autism. But I think what she's saying in that 
is because we're thinking a lot about women and, and the roles of mothers in this situation. Was in her case, if her son is an adult and says, I don't have this, then all the services in the world, I mean, the burden on her, Lisa, is that she has an, a diagnosis. She has a deep caring about her son, but her son doesn't want to accept this diagnosis. There is no answer. I'm just saying it was a very important call, and we heard you, okay? Now we're getting a lot of calls, uh, so thank you, Alicia. Uh, Cecilia in L.A., and we want to get each person, I'm sorry, we're going to ask you to come in about one minute. I know you have a lot to say, but there's three other people on the call. We want to make sure we get it. Cecilia, okay. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, Florence, you mentioned that we will come in contact with a person with autism. We could, it could be our child, someone we know, or someone our child knows. So how, is, how can we recognize an adult? And like the previous caller asked about mild um, autism, how can we recognize an adult with autism that's mild? What do we look for? Oh, there's different characteristics. Like they say, when you see one person with autism, you see one person with autism. And some people present very normally, but there's gaps just in um, cognization. So you can't really, you can't really tell. And, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you very much. And I enjoyed your book. Thank you. Oh, Thank good. You. Great. See that? Uh, wow, the, the line's getting bigger. Uh, Susie and Torrance, you're on with Florence Bracey in our important book. And please join us, even if you got the book, next uh, Thursday, uh, April 4th at 6 p.m. at Strategy and Soul, 3546 Martin Luther King. You could meet Florence and Charles and everybody and talk more about her book. Go ahead, Susie. You're on with Voices from the Frontlines. Hi. Have, I have two quick things. And before I mention my nephew who has Asperger's and there's nothing mild about it, uh, uh, I wanted to say I uh, met a, a neighbor whose brother is a neurologist, neurosurgeon at UCLA Medical Center, one of the top, the top ten in the country. And she said he won't let our sister vaccinate her kids because of what he's seeing. My nephew literally became autistic overnight after a vaccine that my uh, sister asked them not to give him the multiple vaccine and the, the supposedly best pediatrician on the Upper East Side of New York City blew her off and gave it anyway. My nephew has so many extreme challenges and thank you for writing a book to help parents. Because my sister had to go through so much, um, and and she even had to fight the system um, mm-hmm. that was almost no help to him at all. She was seen. Um, she was originally his foster mom. She had him straight from birth. He was supposed to be a free and clear adoption, mm-hmm. and New York City made every mistake they could, and then kept making them to cover their own tracks. Um, so he was. She had him the whole time, but he was four before he was um, legally adopted. He's brilliant. He's Einstein-level smart. Um, He got a perfect score. I'm going to have to ask you to just uh, tie it up because we have four other callers. But try to come to the book signing and do get a copy of the book. And thanks a lot for calling Voices, okay? Because we only have about four more minutes of airtime. 
So who is who will we have next? Mel and Santa Barbara. Four years old and diagnosed as uh, retarded because I didn't speak. Uh, any rate, uh, uh, just to make it short, uh, you know we're full of diagnostic uh, things, but very few action programs. You know, one battleship costs. I mean, one aircraft carrier costs like $12 billion right. and $900 million a year to run it. We, uh, it. Our priorities are so skewed that uh, we should be able to... Now, okay, the point I wanted to make, though, <clears throat> reparations should come in terms of impacting, uh, you know, the inner city schools, because that's where we're losing the battle. Thank you for calling. And Channing had said something similar to that. Um, Regina in Long Beach, uh, and then we're going to tie up. You're on Voices from the Front Lines. Hi, Regina. Hi. Thank you so much for the show. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a comment. I had an interesting experience earlier this year where I was actually dating someone and didn't realize that they were on the spectrum. And one night we were hanging out, we were going through an I Spy book, you know, where you see the 3D image hidden within all the images. And, you know, I had brought it over for him to give to his daughter, maybe for Christmas or something. And then we ended up going through it together. And he couldn't get any of the images, not even one. And I was, you know, first I just thought it was funny. And then finally I was getting frustrated because I'm like, this is impossible. And then I something and then he said yeah and it was just a revelation because there were certain things you know throughout the relationship that I just couldn't get my head around whereas the, the gaps I guess that you guys mentioned where you know I feel like okay I've, I've already explained this I don't know why I'm you know why do we keep coming back to these you know same uh, just having to kind of go over I guess, basic things, but at the same time, this person was very smart, very successful. It was, it was, it was a very eye-opening experience. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Uh, I would like to say that that's not limited to autism, that welcome to any relationship where you turn to the other person and say, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, right? <laughs> I'm just, I know, I know, I'm just saying with some empathy that the communication between two people is never what we want it to be. So you got to pick the best person and work it out. That's right. Uh, so listen, I want to do a few tie-ups. So several things. First of all, I think we saw from the nature of the calls that if we had the time, everybody wants to talk a lot. In the, in, this is not simply opinions. This is out of heartfelt experience. So I think... Mm -hmm. What your book is going to do is give people a chance to have a real meditation because your book, it's really great. It has so many great lessons and, and uh, uh, what do you call it, references and, and helpful hints. But mm -hmm. I mainly liked it the most sort of as a, as a soliloquy of you. I know it's about Brad, mm -hmm. but Florence, it was a lot about you and your life and how you and Frank chose to make Brad so important to you. 
And I don't mean the cost, because everything has a cost in a good sense, but there's a cost to everything in life. And I think you handled it beautifully, and you found tremendous joy in the job, which is yeah, something. Yeah, it was. Do you think that's a fair? Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, it was, I like to do projects. <laughs> <laughs> so Brad was a project. You yeah. know, it was like, okay, the goal is to learn and have critical thinking early on. The goal is to develop some interests. And by the way, he's an excellent tap dancer too, by the way. And he does Zumba and kickboxing, so that's his thing. And the goal is to get a diploma, and the goal is to get a job. I'd just like to share that he's in a medical coding class right now, and he finished the first class, and I am so thrilled. So he can do he he can um, he can input beautifully. Dad, you get the last word as long as it's seven words. Always support your kid. Be proud of your kid. You nailed it. And I just have one last thing. My motto is: Our children do get better. So keep the faith out there, people. With that, I hope you guys tune in uh, next week. We always have a great conversation here on Voices from the Front Lines. And we'd love to hear from you, so email us at eric at Voices from the Front Lines and visit our social media, because this was recorded live. And we'll see you next week. Um, visit www.florencebracy.com to get the book. Come see us next Thursday, April 4th at Strategy and Soul Bookstore where we talk and read and think and enjoy life. Ricky, thank you. Thank you, KPFK. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, you just tell them. Tell them oh, quick. I have a support group, people. Four years we're going for any family members that need support. Look that, me up on my website. All right. Good night, everybody. I did what I heard.